You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Old Movie Time Machine. This is a show of adventure and exploration, during which we will be using color films from the United States of America from the years of 1945 to 1965 as windows into the past. Now, we're going to crawl through those windows, and we're going to have ourselves a look around at the world as it was during this very pivotal era in the history of the United States of America, we're going to be asking questions like, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating one another? What decisions are they making and why? Also, and possibly most importantly, what are they wearing and what do their living rooms look like? Uh, I'm your host, Justin Zeppa, a genuine American joining us on our excursion into the so-called boom years of the United States, is an international panel of experts on being humans in the early 21st century. Starting with, you may know her, you definitely love her, Catherine Sherlock. Hello. Hi. Hi. We're also joined today by Shrishma Naik. Hello, Justin. Hi, Shrishma. How's it going? Uh, Things are great. We got a show on. We do. We're doing it. I'm excited to be back. Our next co-host is somebody near and dear to my heart. Of course, uh, she's a fellow American, not only a fellow American, but a fellow Zeppa at her core. The name may have changed, but don't doubt the spirit. It's my sister, Carolyn Nowrose. Hi, sis. Hi. I'm so excited to be upgraded to uh, from bit player to an actual like co-star in your life. You're a star now, baby. We got the we got the spotlight <laughs> right on you. There's no escaping Can't it. Wait. Welcome. Uh, so, guys, today we're talking about the incredible film North by Northwest, released in 1959, directed by Mr. Alfred Hitchcock, starring Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, James Mason. I mean, it's a real who's who of people in 1959. Opening with the beautiful MGM Lion, right? Now, this is uh, this era in film in particular is a golden age of logos and fanfare for these uh, movie studios. I think this is the only time that they did it this way. Uh, You're only going to see the Green Lion for North by Northwest. And it makes sense because we're going to go to the opening title sequence which is done by a guy called Saul Bass, who was very integral in making opening credit sequences very exciting. We open with like a green matrix of sorts, very curious, uh, you know, big Bernard Herrmann score, North by Northwest, the matrix is revealed to be a Madison Avenue a skyscraper, you know, the, the pinnacle of modernism in post-war America, right? But yeah, uh, this is Midtown, Madison Avenue. So this is, you know, Cary Grant is... As you know, Carolyn is a madman. Uh, he's yeah, a Madison he's a Avenue madman. advertising yeah. man. Yeah, he's this is where Donnie Drapes gets it gets it all from. Right down to the suit and It's true. And his co star that looks so much like January Jones. <laughs> yeah. she really does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where that world comes gotcha. from. Basically, yeah. this is it. We're in the middle of it. It's fifty nine. It's it's peak and we so, Americana. So quickly, like leave that. 
New Yorkness and our like, I mean, that was like such a brief thing. Since we're on location on the streets of New York, 1958, this was filmed. It's a great chance to look at the state of hats in the United States mm-hmm. of America. There's a spectrum of hats. Mm-hmm. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Carolyn, but I think we may have found the tipping point where hats become more or less popular than no hats. I think there are more non-hatted people walking the streets of this city than there are with hats. What do you say to that? In this film? Yeah, in this mm-hmm. film. In 1958. It looks like uh, close to 50-50, yes. but I think there's more no hats. I think that the yes, the percentage appears to be that there are more people walking around with bare heads than those with hats. And I'm also wondering if hat somehow signifies class or I mean what his mother or a certain generation maybe not class but generation because doesn't Cary Grant's mother in this Mm -hmm. isn't she wearing a hat yes I think at all times I believe so yeah (laughs) and he's not wearing a hat no yeah no Um, that's true but then but then the bad guys are wearing hats always the bad guy or Mm -hmm. not always only because one of the baddies never wears a hat but isn't it traditionally the the benchmark for when the age of hats kind of starts really drawing to a close is when Kennedy becomes president and he doesn't wear a top hat normally, which is kind of like the formal thing that you would do if you were out tooling around town or what have you, something like this. Correct. I think Kennedy is definitely the president where we have that change over to um, hatless presidents. Mm -hmm. But if you look at pictures from, let's say... The uh, the Great Depression, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Everybody's wearing a hat. Everybody. But who would want to cover up hair like that? I guess. And I think Kennedy had nice hair too. Yeah, he really did. He, and he made it work for him. Yeah. Um, it gives. I a, think Harry Grant's making it work for him. Too. Think, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yep. I uh, mean, I I have a note. I'm not kidding. That I was like shirtless, Harry Grant. Wow. Well, okay. This is a great. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah, 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 yeah. Since you brought it up, also. let's address this real quick because uh, you know just to just to stop any possible complaints in the future that we are objectifying people. Oh, I'm objectifying him. And I'm yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I just want I want to set the ground rules here. And just check with you guys. Is it cool if we talk about how hot somebody is? Right. Yes. It's yes. not. We're not disrespecting I who they I, are as people no. or their ability to act or whatever. But sometimes these people look hot, right? I probably that why that. they're on screen. <laughs> exactly. Right. I was gonna exactly. say like where we their they their star power is a certain it's a sex appeal, yeah. and you know, I mean, he. I want to go on a date with Cary Grant. <laughs> Can we make out in a train car? This sounds great. Right, right. He's a class act, always. We've got some shady characters who are sort of lurking, right? And they're lurking. Oh my God, and, these guys look like pansies. I'm sorry. And they're watching. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. You would not they, be scared of them. Okay. Oh God, no. I would I would have hit them both in the balls and run. I mean, I don't understand why. Like, it doesn't matter. The guy has an itty bitty tiny little pistol. And they look, they they do not look like they are evil. They just look like they're pushovers. It could have been, I don't understand how they kidnapped him. 
And that he, like, he made one attempt at an escape out of, out of the taxi. He does, and yes. that was it. Yeah. So he... he a half, half-hearted attempt. He runs into these guys, and they're just sort of like, you're going to want to come with us. And he's like, but I've got a business meeting, and I've got martinis to drink, and mm. things to do, and my mother to worry about. I have to get a hold of my mother. Yes, I have to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't come with you. Kidnap me tomorrow. I'll talk to my secretary. Whatever her name is, we, we won't see her again. Can you only speak like that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that or James Mason, which you've had the pleasure of before. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, you're plenty of Mason shortly. He just put up no fight whatsoever. I guess I'll come with you. Yeah. It was it. Oh, was it well, the then, yes, era yeah. of absolute politeness, though? I mean, there was. A, there's. A, I mean, okay. Yes. It's it's worlds colliding. I mean, he's come from a world where guns don't exist and right. So, Threats and this kind of on one's body person don't mm, exist. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I could have hit them with my handbag and gotten away. Yeah, quite quite possibly. But he was he was being like <laughs> super overly polite, given the uh, nature of what was happening. Yes, he's showing. He's demonstrating a lot of grace during his kidnapping. Mm-hmm. My um, note for this is gentleman kidnapping <laughs> with witty comebacks. Yes, right. yes right. exactly. It was. It was more about the opportunity for the comeback <laughs> than anything. I mean, I'm actually enjoying this. People, please kidnap me some more so I can come up with some more one-liners. Yes. So they take him out to. Uh, to Long Island, Glen Cove, New York, Long Island. Who should enter? But apparently, we are led to believe Mr. Lester Townsend himself in the form of Mr. James Mason. And he's joined by Leonard, his his best henchman, played by Martin Landau. No, he's handsome. You like Leonard? I thought he was very handsome. You like Leonard or do you like He was creepy. James Mason. I- Maybe we should play. Maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> clarify which one. I, he had big blue eyes. I was like, next Whoa. slide, yeah, that was I don't know. <laughs> Oh, this is a different guy. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, hands so so James two. Mason is he, you know he's the guy. He's Mr. Lester Townsend. He's the one who's like, you know, you're so convincing at what you're doing. Mm. One thing, you know, what star performance you're really given. You know, was he was he Captain Nemo and he yes, yes he was he was Captain okay. Nemo yes. absolutely. <laughs> Um, uh, yes, Rishma. I had a comment. Okay. Up to this point in the movie and then a little bit after. Yeah. After. Yeah. I had a really hard time telling the men apart. They all kind of look the same to me. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> so. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it makes total sense. You've got these sort of. Uh, right. These like. I was like, wait. So first my initial reaction was like, okay, now I see. So I've seen Cary Grant's face now. Yeah. So I'm okay. This is, oh, this is Cary Grant. Yep. And now suddenly I'm like, wait, which one's Cary Grant? <laughs> well, really, the, like the creosote tan didn't like give it away. Yeah. Well, they are all brunette, tanned Tall guys wearing gray suits. suits. Right. I, like James Mason. Excuse me? So this is a very, what follows is a very confusing conversation of Cary Grant not knowing what is going on. Right. And this guy just being, keeps calling him Mr. Kaplan. And, and so the mysteries deepen, Right. right. I'm not Kaplan. Who's this Kaplan? Right. Roger Thornhill. And, but he keeps, t- James Mason keeps talking about him as if he's playing somebody else. Like, why are you playing this role? Why must you insist on playing this role? We know who you are. And he's like, I'm not who you think I am. And it's a very confusing conversation where one person seems to know something that the other person does not. They don't really come to any conclusions at the end of it. And James Mason exits. Right. Okay. And I just want to talk about the next scene. Well, <laughs> so he exits and leaves Leonard behind. He's like, right. you know, 
Get Mr. Kaplan a drink, right? right? And then enters the other two henchmen. Let's talk about this guy here. I want to talk about this man. And how is he holding that cigarette? It's the cigarette, Catherine. You're absolutely. This what, is what is this? Right. This is side smoking, is what I'm calling it. And this is a this is an age where people could smoke any way they want. Everybody right. was smoking, Everywhere. and you could do it however you yes. wanted, right? So this guy has gone for a grip that is, I would say, suboptimal. I think you know to is that go to not it, stable. He Sorry. he brings it up. He, he's be, using three fingers. Like He's doing like a tripod grip, and then he's sort of twisting his wrist around and doing it like this. Yeah, it's not convenient, right? And you wonder why I don't find them threatening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This, this is very, uh, it's very. Smack that cigarette out of his hands so quickly. (laughs) And I get, you know, there are different. I get it. There are different styles. Sometimes, you know, we're very familiar with the between, right? The sort of low knuckles between index and middle finger. Uh, I think Bogart used to do a sort of grip like this where he would sort of hide the cigarette with the palm of his hand and do a sort of thumb and Mm -hmm. index finger type of thing. This guy, though, the side smoking, this is, I don't know. Who's, who's, this is helping. Is this meant to be threatening in some way? Because, (laughs) you know, I I will, look how I smoke, I will F you up. You know, is it that? (sighs) I don't know. I mean, do you... (laughs) I mean, did you do this research? What does your style of smoking? Well, I did 15 years of pack a day smoking research. And what I discovered was doing it like this is awkward. Okay. But what does it tell you about the person? Well, it's. Exactly. It's awkward, but I'm doing it anyway. I mean, what can we learn about this guy? He's still wearing a suit. He's got. not even just a suit, but he's got the tie as well. He's wearing the presidential folded. It makes me wonder, like, did Hitchcock tell him to smoke that way? Because mm. it's very clearly in the shot. It's, mm. I feel or like did it's they meaningful. not even think about it? Is it is it an under an underworld kind of? Is it kind of like a? Ooh. Well, there is something I would say, and I'm biased as an American, but there's something exotic to this manner of. There's something that is it would like be Italian, like kind of like continental, or? right? Like sort oh, of like old world sort of smoking mobster, something like that, right? So maybe there is. It is signaling. Uh, Bad guidance. I mean, as if the kidnapping wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. But in case you needed to really land that that plane, uh, yeah, and the look fact at that they're, they're being very serious, no one's smiling here. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they walk in. Uh, uh, Martin Landau, Academy Award winner, Martin Landau, the henchman Leonard, who you think he's very tall and narrow, yeah. kind of ghoulish looking. Okay, okay, f- fine. Hey, to each their own. Just, I mean, I don't know. He was. You know, anyway, I like the eyes. He had very bright blue eyes. Well, this isn't him. This no, that's is- <laughs> not him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yes, right. And big eyebrows. <laughs> right. This is a guy. Okay, so. so you're into Martin Landau. I think so. Interesting. We'll, we'll, okay. Why don't we go to a okay. picture? If I can find him, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll see. So they take him. Uh, do they force him to drink alcohol? Yeah, yeah they sit they him do. down yeah. and they, they pour a bottle of bourbon into right. him. And then they let him drive? Then they take him. Force him to drive. Well, then they make him drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. they take him to what is clearly the Pacific Coast Highway in California. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Carolyn, right? I mean, you, I was, you lived in I California. I have a note here that says, is there a rocky coast this on is- the North Shore of Long Island? <laughs> I don't think so. You, Autistic license. I mean, this is clearly the coast of California. Oh, the, this is not anywhere right. on Long Island. Absolutely not. No. So they take him. No, it's there. It's nighttime. They pour him into this car and they send him on his way. 
I just didn't understand. So, okay, if I understand um, yeah. the plot line, yeah. they were trying to get him arrested, killed. 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 Yeah, they were assuming he would like drive off the edge of the the road here. He was a very skilled drunk driver. Little did they realize (laughs) how drunk this man usually is because absolutely he was he's doing great. Like he makes it all the way down that winding highway. That was one of that was quite a funny scene. I Mm. would thoroughly enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is really impressive how far he makes it. Right. Yeah. The only funniest bit was like when. He actually, there was like one wheel off the road, yeah. and he kind of looks over the edge and goes, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something about that. <laughs> what we find out is that Lester Townsend is actually. In the United Nations. At the United. Speaking at the United right. Nations. And then we have the only non white actor speaking lines of the movie. When he goes to the United Nations. Okay, yes, I think yes, there's another yes. one. Yeah, the, I think there's the, one other one. Okay. <laughs> but, but yes, okay, so one of the things we got to talk about on this show is where are the minorities? Where are they? We know they existed. At the United Nations. In the biggest <laughs> yes. city in the country. At the United... Well, okay, so... I United, think that was appropriate, though. Suppose, I yes, guess. you see various... Uh, delegates in the background right. of the lounge yeah. that he ends up going to where he's yeah. looking for Mr. Lester Townsend. Um, so you see different representatives from around the globe. So Mr. Townsend shows up and it turns out this is not the Mr. Townsend we are familiar with. No. James Masony, Mr. Townsend. This is a very different Mr. Townsend played by an actor. I don't know his name, uh, but he played Nick Simmons in The Ghost of Mr. Chicken, a movie we will be talking about in the future. <laughs> oh. Um, but he's sort of like, well, nice to meet you, but what is going on? What can I help you with? Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, well, you're not Mr. Townsend. I know Mr. Townsend. I met right. him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I live in Long Island. I got you drunk know, I- his, at his house last night. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Cary Grant is also, we uh, we didn't really discuss it, but he, he has a photo of James Mason as some sort of professorial looking official man of mm-hmm. his time, right? It's where he's, he's in, surrounded by other men of his times. And uh, they look very professional and, and look as though they could be of the UN, but clearly not. So, but Lester Townsend sees a picture and he's like, hey, wait a minute. But it's stopped by a knife in the back. Right. Now, <laughs> okay. Were uh, you surprised? Uh, knife in the back. No, but it was just very like, so no one saw this other dude. Like, it's a busy room. So no one saw another man come with a knife. Mm-hmm. And stick it in. Yeah, no, he threw it. I thought he threw it. Right, he threw it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, from the doorway. Okay. Right, and also, of course, can, can we please note that this this gentleman dies very quickly of a knife mm-hmm. wound, of a knife which wound would, in the back, which <laughs> would <laughs> not. And he's like a beefy man. Like, how long yeah. is that yeah. blade? Oh, yeah. Sure. Where is mm-hmm. it cutting into? He's not <laughs> bleeding out. It's like he's like, yeah. I'm dead. It was a very, very quick, <laughs> quick knife death. Which yeah, is he was very surprised at how effective the knife was at killing him. He mm-hmm. was very alarmed. I was more surprised and, uh, you know, by how quickly he died than the knife being thrown. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Cary Grant, of course, uh, he's you know these I moments don't know. of he high died stress. In my arms. Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, he pulls the knife. He pulls the knife yeah. out. That's in the thing. Case, he like, cradles oh. him as he falls to the floor, <laughs> and, and it's like, what is this in the Clearly back? Clearly, this is before oh, look, forensic it's a knife. evidence. It's now in my hand. Would, right, and then, uh, we would all be concerned now. Like, don't 
touched the knife, there's right. maybe yes. there's fingerprints. We all fingerprints. This is exactly. definitely more innocent times. Yes, yes, for sure. And he turns around with the said knife immediately. Or, you know, immediately runs into a photographer who's ready with his camera to take a picture of him. <laughs> Not to mention the woman's late delay of a knife or whatever she says like thirty seconds later. Like it is the. She does. It's great. That whole scene is so implausible and ridiculous. Yeah, and yet, and yet, it gets us to the next place we gotta go to. So he <laughs> runs away. He leaves the UN. We get this beautiful shot. We, we now understand to be total uh, fakery. It's uh, you know, this is another matte <laughs> picture <laughs> of the UN uh, courtyard area, but it's just uh, a beautiful bit of modernism, absolutely, uh, and design. I mean, it's just a piece of art. I would like to have on the wall this mm-hmm. picture of. I mean, these you see the details of these little windows open and everything. Very nice. Um, so from this point, we then go to Washington, D.C., and this is where we find ourselves in the office of yes. what's known as Intelligence Agency. <sighs> we don't know which one, right. but it's just an intelligence agency. And the intelligence agency, they sort of explain what is happening to the audience. This is a scene I always forget about. I was right. totally surprised that it's like, oh, they just tell you exactly what's, what's happening. happening. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many other things flying at you throughout the rest of it that it just gets cast to the wayside. And this is the scene why I feel... So I think it takes away the complete sus- suspense of the movie because they tell us what's going on. Okay, so this ruined a little bit for you? Yeah, and after this scene, I was like, what's the point of this movie? Because we know mm, that he's mm-hmm. he's a... I mean, if we... So what they reveal... Um, in this scene is that, you know, it's a um, a plot by this Secret Service agency mm-hmm. to capture this um, villain who's Van Damme, who gets... James Mason is James now Van, Van Damme. Damme yes. who they've labeled as a German, some kind of German spy or mm-hmm. something or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've made up this entity who's George Kaplan. Mm-hmm. And now this guy has been mistaken for him in real life. Yes. And they don't care, which is another thing we should talk yeah, about. The response of the entire room is sort of like, eh, eh. Yeah, yeah. Let him so, die. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. We, yeah, Too bad. But we, we protect our exactly. person on the ground. But there's no, no longer any suspense. Like, if this is being pitched as a suspense thriller. Oh, I think there is. I think it becomes sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> different kind of horny suspense exactly i think it was just various types of being dangled um well that's true yeah they're like forget about the espionage yeah something's coming up oh yeah yeah. it's gonna really get your attention people so Uh, anyway that's okay well that's interesting so you carry this with you for the rest of the movie okay yeah because at this point i knew that it was a fake character this so uh, up to this point, we're like, mm-hmm. who's George Kaplan? Right, is he, right. What is he doing? How is he related? Is yeah. he yeah. is uh, Cary Grant a spy in some way? Like, uh-huh. where's this? And here they just lay it all out for us. Yeah, but they lay it all out for the audience. But the players don't know. They still don't know. True. So this but, is just one type of storytelling right? device where there we know something the characters do not. Right. And that's just, oh, that's interesting. I don't know. This scene is always, and I've seen this movie countless times. Always just gone right through me. Okay. You know, like, and I see it and I take it for what it is as it's happening, but right. I almost immediately forget, forget about it every time. Because uh, okay. I'm always trying, you know, this is a, a film with a lot of locations, a lot of plot twists right. and points and characters and right. mysteries. It's a lot to keep track of. Uh, 
I also wanted to just talk about this room yeah. that the intelligence <laughs> yeah, agency I, I real quick. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> this is the spy gear that you need to have in your spy office room. You need to have a map of the world. Right. You need to have what appears to be like Christopher Columbus. Uh, no. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's 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 a colonial era man right. in bronze. I don't think it's not a Washington I wouldn't say you know could be uh you know, I'm thinking Thomas Jefferson maybe but it's like why uh so maybe it's a Sam Adams or something like that. Some kind of colonial revolutionary war era figure bronzed on this uh sideboard with some volumes. One of these books is open, you know, presumably somebody found a great quote that you need to remember when you're doing your spying. I'm also seeing over here what looks to be the corner of a marble ashtray, which brings me to this next, uh, what will become a recurring favorite bit on our program, Old Movie Time Machine. It's a little part of the program I like to call, how many ashtrays? <laughs> how many ashtrays do you think are in this room? Um, Seven. Say, I was going to say six. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shushma? Seven. Seven ashtrays? Okay. At least two for every people. Let's leave this corner <laughs> ambiguous. <laughs> That's a great ratio. That's the ratio of the times. So uh, in this one room, we have, you know, anytime there's a flat surface in the 50s or 60s, like, put an ashtray on there. <laughs> so we've got at least one here, and we've got one on the table at the end here. We've also got this nice built-in bookcase with all kinds of, you know, dossiers and uh, leather-bound volumes. Very nice. So we got two. We get this beautiful overhead. So there we go. So, so there we go. One, two, three, four. And then if we include the one that's over here, allegedly, which seems to match this corner here, we're talking no less than five ashtrays. Mm -hmm. Five mm. ashtrays. Uh, also, a nice little television over in the corner here. Always looming. Uh, so from there, we go to... Beautiful Grand Central Station. And again, this seems to be shot on location. We have the old school 48 star flag here. So this is pre-Alaska, pre-Hawaii joining uh, the Union. You know, Cary Grant is nothing if not suave and debonair. So he slips away and just hops onto the train anyway. Boy, those were the days of transportation where you didn't have to show ID and mm -hmm. walk through metal detectors and things like that. You could just hop on the 20th Century Limited, which is what this beautiful train is called. And it's there that he meets... Uh, Eve Kendall, played by Eva Marie Saint, mm -hmm. looking so hot right here, right? Yeah, I mean, just... she looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Can we just like take a moment to appreciate the hair? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me about the hair, Catherine. Well, okay, it, it's it, it's just fictional. I mean, it's, <laughs> how how is it so thick and beautiful and glossy and absolute perfection? Perfectly in every sculpted. You know, you know what? I I actually felt shamed. Because I don't do anything with my hair. I wash it and leave it. It kind of, kind of it's vaguely wavy. And that's it. Today, I, after watching this film, I blow-dried my hair. Really? <laughs> I wow. put actual mousse in my hair wow. and I blow-dried it. And I've not done that in years. She's you an influencer inspired. across decades. And I was, I was like, oh, my God. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Because <laughs> no. I've kind of almost got the same sort of length happening. I could, I could maybe kind of get something close to this. So, yeah. Shrishma, since you're new to the world of Alfred Hitchcock, you should be made aware that mm. he is known for his blondes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, when we talk about... About, you know, we talked about talked about how these people are hot, right? right. And the, the danger of that is objectifying and making them into something that's not mm. human, but just a thing of beauty or a thing. You're not a person, right? 
and this is this tends to be manifested in, in films through what is known in film critique is uh, the gaze, right? Like okay. the, particularly the male gaze. The male gaze. So okay. you know. Hot lady walks down the stairs and the camera starts at her mm. ankles and slowly, you know, lasciviously makes its way up to her face. And so you are looking at things through the the male character's point right. of view, you the audience. So you're you're forced into that point of view of objectifying the person. So Hitchcock does get a lot of uh flack for Black always for. having a type. Okay. Mm. He's very cool into the blonde, blonde. so mm-hmm. Eve Marie Saint, Grace Kelly, mm. Tippi Hedren. These are all people we're going to be seeing all of them. And they all look fairly similar to this. Okay. So a thing to keep in mind. Uh, so Roger, Cary Grant, sneaks onto the train. She helps him. He runs into her in the hallway. She's stepping out of her room. Uh, he's being chased by the authorities at this point, And I think the baddies show up as well. At yeah. This, the, he's being chased, right? Everybody's after this guy. His disguise at this point is a pair of sunglasses, which I would argue is probably uh, the Fair. worst disguise. Well, they all look the same, so maybe. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't it draw more attention when you're the one wearing sunglasses and inside a train. Exactly, and nobody else. Fair. Yeah. Okay. He thinks he's so clever. Uh, so he manages to hitch a ride. The, the train leaves the station. Yeah, he decides to go have a meal. He goes to the dining car where he's seated next to this lady, Eve Kendall, and they have a steamy conversation. Like, oh, yeah. It's electric, I think, right? I think yeah. it's what um, the millennials this, these days will call as thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <She> was, wow. <laughs> Such okay. thirst. Yes. Such thirst. And and Cary Grant, for all of his Cary Grantness, is sort of like, even he's mystified. He's, he was like, like, why is she, why is that's, you know, I think he was taken aback by how yeah. forthcoming she was. I loved her, how um, forward interest. she was. And yeah. I, oh, I couldn't yeah. help but think yes. about, was this just crazy for the time? I mean, she, it was, she was classy. She was cool. She was, you know, all the things where he was just seemed completely bowled over. And I can't oh, imagine yeah. what like the the contemporary audience would have thought about her because I'm looking at it I'm like being like, wow, girl, you are going for it. Mm-hmm. Every line out of her mouth is an entendre and like a <laughs> thin, thinly veiled one at that. Like there's yes. no mistaking. And he, uh, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, he can't believe it. Mm. Uh, I mean, at one point, you know, we see the appearance of a matchbook with uh, Roger Thornhill's. Initials R O T rot. Uh, really oh, that amazing, simple right? lighting mm-hmm. of the cigarette. I mean, just oh yeah, th- that's what I'm yes. talking about. So she, sexy. She pulls the hand over, and it's something else. It's electric. Yeah, and and, it, and it, I mean, it's such a slow scene as well because yeah, he lights the cigarette, and then you know whatever, and then she his hand is still. I think his hand's like coming away, and then she pulls it back again. Yes, and blows out the match. She oh yeah, certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> It's, Let me just take care of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and okay, so this is another thing we need to talk about of this this era in filmmaking. We're still beholden to this thing called the Hayes Code. Right. So, at a certain point in the golden age of Hollywood, there's this thing called the Hayes Code, where it's like you can't directly show okay. graphic violence, graphic sex, okay. you know, so they're just all these silly puritanical rules. Right. So they have to sort of go around them to make things as horny as they want them to be. But think how tantalized we still are today with mm. all the gratuitous sex and violence that we see. And we're still like, 
Oh, oh yeah. she just threw the match and like, like that's, I know. <laughs> do we really need the gratuitous sex and violence? Probably if, not. No, <laughs> we're still okay, getting yeah. the all the feels from from it, not having it. This movie is over 60 years old, and yes. it's still red hot. She's absolutely. still smoking this, the film off of this one. Oh, absolutely. Oh. And this verbal fencing is just... Yes. Oof. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. There is there is that scene when she gets off the train, he's in the porter's costume, and he's like, yes. what do you have in these suitcases? And she's like, <laughs> balls. And I wanted to be like, your balls, <laughs> Cary Grant. I mean, just, it was so... <laughs> gra- I'm like, wow. They yeah. Add mine to your collection, dear. <laughs> They went there. Hey, listeners, sorry to interrupt this blazing episode that is unfolding before our very ears. Uh, I think it's going pretty well so far, but we've got to have a little ad break here. So real quick, wanted to let you guys know that if you want to support us, an independent podcast, the best way to do that is to get yourself some of our fantastic merchandise. Oh, the the luxury, the exclusivity of it all. Just go over, you'll you'll find the link in our show notes. It's a T Public store. And let's see what which item shall we highlight today? Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, why not the uh hey, go with the old classic, right? It's our cover art representing the four pillars of everything that we do on this program. Number 1, the Geiger counter. Number two, a 59 highball filled with neat scotch. Number three, gotta have an ashtray, right? This is that type of program. And number four, the United Nations. You know, bringing the world together. That's what we're all about here. Uh, it's a classic look, you guys. You might even say that it is a timeless look. And it's also available on all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, get, get it on a mug if you want. Have yourself some coffee and, and drink from the podcast. Get one of these guys. I'm going to suggest a black long sleeve t-shirt. How about that? But I mean, the options are limited. Colors, sizes, styles, cuts, fits, all of it ready for you. Check it out. Thank you. Back to the program. All we know is that we're going to a dirt farm in Indiana. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the so I, <clears throat> I was watching this movie and yeah. I think I might have taken, like there might have been a nap somewhere you know, like <laughs> close my eyes for a little bit <laughs> so i remember sure, this would be the time right, happen. right? Yeah. so i remember the scene at the in the train in the train station and i wake up and then i suddenly see that we're in a farm and he's being chased by a plane yeah okay mm-hmm. so okay. i think i've missed a good half an hour of this movie like what has happened that has transported <laughs> him from here to here no it's just like it's and i know minutes I, yeah. I, so i have to go back i was like wait a minute <laughs> So this was a moment like, what the fuck is happening here? Well, I just, and as somebody who's been within an hour and a half of Chicago right. many times, I don't recognize this part of the, okay. the landscape. I mean, like, this is 1920s Oklahoma Okay, shit. Yeah, yeah, it did not seem like, because they I'm, had to put together where he was, like, yes. I got he was moving from New York to somewhere. Another city. So I didn't know where that somewhere was. Yeah. In and I know that this is this. like an iconic Desert. scene but I also felt like and I was awake feeling like <laughs> <laughs> this is a very odd juxtaposition which is why I, that's why I made the grapes of wrath note because yeah. it's like it's like um, a very non-purposeful set piece just to get in um, uh, you know crop the, dusting the, the airplane yeah, yeah. A, a really random 
mode of death. Yeah. So, but and this is a very. Did, have you ever seen this scene before? Because this is a very famous image of him being chased by a, a biplane. No, I have not, but I. I guess this would be like I've. There are several like similar scenes that happened you mm-hmm. know, since then, like in this kind of setting. Yeah. People okay. Are, so I mean I have never seen this one before. So he's he's dropped out in the middle of nowhere, waiting uh, at a bus stop. Waiting at a bus stop. There's nobody. I mean, there's really nobody around here. It's crazy, and there are no crops. It's been a rough uh, season, apparently. There's nothing lush about this no, landscape like whatsoever. <laughs> uh, you know, he's so he's waiting. He doesn't know what he's in for. So everything is suspicious. It's that you know, going to meet the guy thing. Like, what does the guy look like? How is he showing up? How does what? How do I behave? How does he behave? He meets a guy who gets dropped off. He thinks maybe this is his guy, so he goes over and he's like, "Are you supposed to be talking to me?" And the guy's like, "No, I, I don't think so. Uh, that, that's crazy. That plane over there is dusting crops. Or there's no crops. Right. Crazy. Hmm, okay, mm. interesting, intriguing." And he is then very famously chased by an airplane and shot at, and uh, it's a great little action set piece he is also uh are we supposed poisoned. to assume the people flying this plane are the goons the pansy goons it's got a, yes i think there's a very good chance that the okay. uh yes the right. that that character you're referring to was flying the plane <laughs> and smoking well, a cigarette like this y- yes yes smoking sideways I, smoking I don't sideways. Think it can be because he makes an appearance Oh, on. you're right. You're right. And whoever's oh, flying this plane point. does Dying. not survive. <laughs> yes, this so is the, exactly. There's the so news. the plane does this horrifying thing where it dumps an entire load of DDT onto Cary Grant. So, <laughs> I mean, if we yeah. if we saw the sequel to this movie, he might have like a third arm growing out of his back Probably. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But and he deals with it with great aplomb because you know part of the kind of literally just like Ooh. yeah, just like, <laughs> his lungs are, are coated in tar from the many billions of cigarettes, which has so. probably helped. Yes. I mean it's Im- immunized him in some exactly. way. He's used to that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then the plane does end up crashing into a an oil tanker that shows up out of nowhere. Uh, only blows up half the tanker, yeah. gives him enough room. He gets hit by the tanker almost. He no, like he, the, rolls, it rolls like he rolls over him. Because <laughs> uh, he's trying to like get people, anybody yeah. to stop, which is hilarious. Because who's stopping? But there's a man in a suit, a dusty suit, being shot at by a biplane. Honey, pull over. He mm-hmm. wants to talk to us. Um, so at this point, it's the bad guy, like these Van Damme's hunchmen, who are still trying to hunt him down. Uh, we're we're assuming so, yes. Because they yeah. still think he's the FBI George Kaplan. Yes. Okay. Yes. Or, or secret. So CIA, she is working right? with Van Damme. Right. And feeding him the line to set Not him you. up for his untimely right. death. Now he survives. He steals a truck from all of a sudden, like everybody in town shows up <laughs> to watch this this tanker, yeah, <laughs> blow up. There's been nobody around for, for minutes and minutes. <laughs> Yes, uh, I drives. was also con- concerned about like where did all these people just come where from? Like, oh up? my gosh, look at that explosion! Hey, the, yeah, the tanker blew up. Let's go, hop in. <laughs> he steals a truck with a refrigerator in the back. I don't, you know, it's mm-hmm. fairly random. Does not show up again. Um, and drives back to Chicago, where he then meets Eve at her hotel room. Right. And guys, I'm obsessed with this hotel room I'm as well. I'm obsessed with her dress. Oh, but also, oh, listen, yes. listen, let's talk about the suit real quick, since his standing around out at Prairie Stop just gives you a great chance to take a look at it. I mean, it's a perfectly excellent suit. Right. I would take that suit today. Right. A little high-waisted right. for Christmas taste, but looks great. But, and then, so I like how... 
So there's so he's gone through all of that and he has two dust patches. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's been he DDT'd, literally rolled shot around yeah. yes. in a cornfield. But his hair does not move a single place. Yeah, he looks no, fucking no, no. great. Yeah. yeah. It's bro cream for you. So for whatever reason, they got to go to South Dakota. And this is where I... Now, this is where Van Damme's because house is. That is where... Do they know that he's leaving? Are they, I mean, I just... We have to point mm. out, isn't it interesting that that's where the international spy's house is? South Dakota. Also known as Soundstage Dakota in some of these shots. <laughs> right. Um, clearly just driving onto a set. A bunch of fake trees. So... so mm, clarification. Yeah, one of them was kind of quite wobbly. Yeah, it was. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like Hitchcock, the whole reason I think this movie even came into existence was that he has always wanted to have some sort of chase scene across Mount Rushmore. Like, mm-hmm. so then he built an entire flimsy plot line to get us there. To happen. Yeah. <laughs> to get us there. Great. It's a great way to do it. Um, and that Mount Rushmore was, of course, the National Park Service was concerned about the damage that that would cause. So yeah, they didn't yeah, sure. allow it. So I think. Other than the few establishing shots, everything else was set. And he runs off to the Van Damme house. Look at this beautiful yeah. matte painting of Can a house. Can I just get really excited yeah, about it? please. Tell can- me all about cantilevers. it. Cantilevers. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Flipping love a cantilever. What is a who? <laughs> the cantilever. The, the, the piece that's sticking out. The, oh, and the, okay. the engineering of this is, by all the right. way, um, the, the piece in the back that supports this mm-hmm. is... The rule of thumb is that should be twice as long as the cantilever itself. Just a little engineering fact for you. Okay. And in here we see this fabulous mid-century living room. Mm -hmm. Just all flagstone and beautiful... I, oh yeah, this is, I feel like I missed this scene. This is the guy, right? This, yeah, this is your, yeah, this, yeah, this is, is your guy. guy. You're this hot for for Landau. Yeah, wow. I think he's, he's a got, creepy he's got, guy. He's know. got cheekbones. He's tall. There's he's eyes. he's brunette. He's got a gray suit. He's got he's got it all. He's got this gold ornamentation over him. <laughs> like a sunburst. Yeah, it's not a clock. You Hold on. They put a for clock as much as Trishma said that everyone looks the same, and they kind of do, she also is like, but I only like this one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Very specific. I'm aware of this. You've it got was a taste. the eyes. It was the eyes that, okay. that did it. That's true. Mm-hmm. He does have very piercing eyes. Mm. And what is this over? Okay, this is a little chair. And again, here's the objet that has the microfilm inside of it. So they're getting ready to escape these guys. They're finally, they've got their microfilm. They've done their espionage. We got to get out of Dodge. Uh, and so Cary Grant, though, has found his way to this house and he's sneaking around and he's made his way upstairs. So he's watching them from above. But guys, it's time to play that game again. How many ashtrays? How many ashtrays do you think well, are in this 12. large open floor plan <laughs> yeah, it's living got, room? It's, it's got to be. It's got to be almost up in two figures, right? It's got to be ten, maybe. It's uh, it's maybe not quite ten. Well, let's let's do a little uh, tray <laughs> count here. We've got um, if we look at the far end of the room here, we have at least one. These appear to are they not playing mahjong? Be- <laughs> I'm not sure. It's like maybe a it's Scrabble, Scrabble without the Scrabble. board. It like Scrabble. does look like Scrabble, but that was maybe, but maybe no it's board. dominoes. It's dominoes. Oh, dominoes. Okay. There we go. So we have we have one big glass ashtray here. We've also got these beautiful uh, these Sheep furs, skin, yeah, draped rugs. everywhere. Yes. Mm. Um, number two, mm. of course. You know, if there's a side table, again, a flat surface. Uh, I. Th- Think. There are only two in this very large room. 
No, no, hold on. Wait for Another, it. Oh, okay. Three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think. Oh man, wait a minute. And this is a set. That's just how Six. many ashtrays right they the dressed. Okay, this okay. this isn't even a house. None yeah. of these are like real places. These this is how they dressed the sets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, make it look like a real house. Oh, okay, well let's put a half a dozen ashtrays in here. <laughs> yeah. Great. And this is this is what we've got. So we have no fewer than six ashtrays. This mm-hmm. is the most ashtrays in this film. So at this point, Leonard and Van Damme are talking to each other at certain points, and you know, Eve is coming and going. And uh eventually uh Cary Grant, while she is seated down in the living room, ready to be taken away by plane to whatever strange foreign land these people work for. Uh, he takes the matchbook that we saw earlier and he writes a little note inside that says, Hey, I'm up in your room. Come find me. Whatever. They're on to you. Is what They're on writes. to you. Yeah. Yes. And he chucks it down next to her. Leonard, Shurston's boyfriend, finds it, picks it up, puts it in the ashtray because matchbooks fly around willy nilly at this point. He's just like, well, yeah, we are all smoking all the time. Why wouldn't there be a uh, matchbook here? She sees it, sees the rot initials on it, sees the message inside, goes up to him. He's like, darling, I got to get you out of here. But you need to you know, pretend that you're going with them and I'll come find you and all this. So he lets her go. She plays the part of going out to the airplane. She gets real close to that airplane. Mm. He is about to make his way out when he gets caught by the uh, housekeeper who is pointing a gun at him. Okay. I just slipped through this bit. What are, <laughs> the big finale? Yeah, it happens. <laughs> no, I woke up for when they were on the mountain. <laughs> okay, but okay. But I don't remember this housekeeper. So she's holding him okay. uh, hostage there. She's in on the plan, of course. But eventually he realizes that she's using the same fake gun that Eve used to shoot him at the visitor center at Rushmore. Mm-hmm. So he escapes, yoinks her away. She grabs the... Uh, the statue away from Van Damme, who is just a butterfingers, like he right. just let her take it, basically. And he's <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe it. And they run off to the next big finale set piece, which is on Mount Rushmore, where it's just a, a series of slip and falls and awkward holding on to rock faces. <laughs> and people fall. There's, you know, guns are fired. Uh, people slip and then need to be held on by one hand. Yeah, so I don't like... That's why I feel like the end was very anticlimactic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, have a, I have a note about the end there. Because okay. uh, if we're at that point... Yeah, why not? Yeah, okay, okay. So yeah, obviously, Eve is hanging off the rock. Um, mm-hmm. He's trying to like pull her up. Yes. Um, and he manages to... Yeah, they, he kind of gets her and they pull pulls her up. And then it cuts immediately to him pulling her up into... A train. Like, a train into the top bunk. Bunk. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is whatever his name is, Thorn. Thornhill. Yeah, yeah. Thornhill. Come on. Yeah. Come yeah. wrong, darling. Mrs. Thornhill. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. The end. And it's the like... End. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, movies of this era, they do not hang around in the way right. that we're used to today. They're just like the the action ends, this movie right. is over. The end. Yeah. It's very abrupt. <laughs> Which, yeah. the... Which is why I feel there's no real suspense in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a fair enough point. Do you need the suspense or is the are the actual actions enough for you? No. 
They're not okay. You would no, rather I just, have, like I just rather have found out at the end that there you were was waiting no, for a big reveal, right? Like, but it was just kind of revealed yeah. and then let to play play out. Yeah, it was almost like the whole like the whole microfilm business. Yes. That, was, that was like so um, incidental. Right. It was just there's yeah. nothing. Oh, the thing. There's no consequence like, about. Oh, right. uh, so you've huh? described what is known as the MacGuffin. This is the object that every character is focusing on getting, but is really incidental to the actual story that we're watching. So this is a very famous Hitchcockian trope, uh, also notably used in the Maltese Falcon. You know, Mm -hmm. like everybody wants the statue, the Maltese Falcon, the stuff dreams are made of, everybody's getting it. But it's not really what the movie's about. That's just like the... um, the instigating object that gets everybody to behave the way that they do. But yeah, MacGuffin. So the MacGuffin here is the, is the microfilm and mm, the, the okay. little guy. Yeah. So he hoists her up into the top bunk. And then mm. we finally get, we had seen it earlier on the train. The, the camera sort of moves from, sort of does a pan from the cabin to the outside where we see the setting sun and the train track and everything. But this final scene, we finally get it. It's oh. the train going, <laughs> going into, into the, the tunnel. tunnel. Shrishma, uh, I see confusion okay. on your face. This is another result of the haze code. We can't show these guys oh, doing it. Banging. But yeah, we can yeah, definitely yeah. show a train plunging itself into a tunnel. The end. Hey, 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 I totally missed that. I get, I, I, as soon as you mentioned it, oh, and I, okay, I, penny dropped, but so, it didn't at the time. Mm, big finale, right? Mm-mm. But thus concludes North by Northwest. Any final thoughts on this? So, Shrishma, you are disappointed. So, my hot take on this whole thing, yeah. and I'm reading the background about the movie, it's yeah. supposed to be like the suspenseful thriller, and like, I just didn't see it. Okay. <laughs> so, how would you describe this movie? That you would you call it, was it like just like an action flick, an action movie? Like, okay. You know, they were you know there was some co- comedy in it. Uh, I think it's more like comedy action, like mm. you know, like you see like. Iron Man playing around like you a know, lot of one-liners, one-liners, a lot of big and, like, set pieces. Quirky, but I wouldn't say it's a suspenseful or a thriller. Okay, you weren't thrilled. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think the most thrilled I was was watching this the that that um, dust crop thingy yeah, fly yeah. into the. I mean, Okay. That was about it. Yes, that's a very, that's a a well-noted, well-regarded. I just, maybe like since 1959 to today, like probably storytelling has evolved and, you know, it's gotten more elaborate. So maybe we're spoiled and at that time this Mm -hmm. was, you Mm -hmm. know. um, As a film, would you, is it, is this worth somebody today watching? Like, could you recommend this film? I would not recommend. This. Okay, okay. Thumbs down on North by Northwest. Right, but I only just think it's because I don't connect with. Yeah, yeah. You know the. Right, it's too far. We're too right, far away from. Right, it's just exactly. a different st- yes. pace and style of storytelling. Right. Fair enough. Exactly. Catherine. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do class it as a thriller. Um, I, I by today's standards, it's mild right. for sure mm. on many fronts. Um, but I, I think it's very much of its era and I appreciate everything about it. I love the look. I love the one-liners. I love the humor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of it's, all of it's good for me. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all like, it's all cinematic eye candy for me. Yeah. So it's a keeper for you. A hundred percent. All right. Carolyn. 
Not my favorite Hitchcock. Oh, okay. Well, I, uh, what would you prefer? I lo- Vertigo is probably my number one. Dial him for murder, right? That's not yeah, sure. Is. Right. That has so, uh, that might be more suspenseful for Churchman's tastes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, I will agree with Catherine in that, like the whole look and feel of this film is great. I'm here for it. I love the one liners. I love the the sex appeal that's there. Um, but I I think from a modern viewpoint, it doesn't stand up in the th- like. There's too many things that are flimsy about the plot Mm -hmm. and that's really where where i'm like if i'm checking my phone to see how much longer it's not then then i'm not interesting okay yeah Yeah. and i definitely got to a point where i was like how much longer do we have in this which is not how i feel about (laughs) other hitchcock films so you know right yeah Fair play. It's very representative of the time um, of American bravado, style, Mm. all of that for sure. Um, But yeah, just not my favorite Hitchcock. Okay. We've had a great time here talking North by Northwest, but we want you to join us tomorrow on Premiere Week because we're talking about a new film. We're not going anywhere in time, actually. We're going to go back to 1959. We're talking about something called Pillow Talk. (laughs) Ah, Pillow Talk. Rock Hudson, Doris Day, Mm. 1959, at its weirdest. Real quick on Pillow Talk, here's here's the logline of what we're going to be watching. An interior decorator and a Playboy songwriter share a telephone party line and size each other up. What? Next time. A telephone party line. Yeah. (laughs) We're going into the past. Oh, you don't know the party line system? What is that? Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're going to talk about it tomorrow. Are you going to have research for us? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. I'm talking party. I mean, I could talk party lines right now. They're so goofy, but we'll, (laughs) we'll save it for tomorrow. Join us then. Thanks for listening right now, of course. Uh, But join us then tomorrow. I mean, we're going to be watching Pillow Talk. And so ends our first episode. Listener, thank you so much for joining. If you like what you just heard, wanted to let you know that there is way more of it. Uh, We talked about North by Northwest for approximately two and a half hours. So if you would like to hear the rest of the conversation, you can join us over at our Patreon. Uh, We call it The Boom Room. You can find the link in the show notes. Uh, But you can, for $2 a month, you get the full unedited episodes that we put out here on old movie time machine. So right now is a great time for you to sign up uh, and donate your $2 to us to supporting independent podcasting because it's premiere week, which means you're getting like a bonus four extra episodes uh, because we're doing five this week. So you can go and listen to how it really is. Like, you know, we're giving you some pretty good stuff here on the, on the free feed, but If you want the good stuff, join us over at The Boom Room on Patreon. Again, the link is in the show notes. Check us out. Thank you. Okay, so tomorrow we're talking about Pillow Talk from 1959. Here's where you can rent or buy it. It looks like it's available on Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft, Redbox, DirecTV, AMC Theaters On Demand. All of these places will have Pillow Talk available for you. So you can watch and get caught up and join us on the adventure tomorrow. Uh, Tell us what you think about these movies. Uh, You can write us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. And, you know, we will probably get back.
get back to you uh, and let you know. Thank you so much for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the show so you get it delivered to you automatically every week. Also, we would appreciate your ratings. It helps us be found by others and we can build a beautiful community together watching all this old shit. So until tomorrow, this has been Old Movie Time Machine.